Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Wednesdays with Wheels. It's your favorite friend on Wednesdays, David Wheels. Maxwell, great to see everybody. Listen, before we get started with the podcast, I just have to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by Falenga's Gourmet and Artisan Cotton Candy. This takes cotton candy to a whole new level. We're not just talking flavors like cherry and blueberry. No, we're talking flavors like uh, um, pickle and banana and fireball. That's right. I said pickle and banana. So if you want to get your hands on some Falengas, uh, check out their Facebook page at Falengas Gourmet and Artisan Cotton Candy. They're also at the public market. Uh, your taste buds will thank you. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm super excited about this podcast because I get to speak with Officer uh, Josh Symes. Uh, Officer, how are you? Good to see you. I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. And what we're what we're here to talk to about today is you were the first officer to be part of uh, the canine program in Brockport. And we're going to talk about your uh, four legged partner, Brock, and uh, all that comes along with that. So I'm super excited to do that. But before I do that, I want to just get to know you a little bit better. How long have you been uh, with the uh, block, the Brockport Police Department? I've been with the Brockport Police Department for about nine years. Nine years. What made you want to get into law enforcement? I've had an interest in it for a long time. Um, back when I was a lot younger, I thought I wanted to be a, a pilot, and that involved a lot of math and science, so I figured out that wasn't going to be the, the career path for me. But um, I've always had an interest in, in helping people. Obviously, you know, you, you hear that response from a lot of police officers because it's true. I mean, that's part of the job, but it is really a rewarding experience to be able to get out and and help people, and not only that, but you know, just drive drive around and be able to get out and talk to people on a day to day basis, and kind of make your own schedule, so to speak, for your, for each day. So I really enjoy that part about my job. And it's always something new every day, too. I assume there's always there's always something that uh, in your long career you're stumbling upon something that maybe you didn't do on on the Tuesday before, right? That is what what keeps it interesting, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about uh, what got you interested and what led you down the path of of becoming a canine police officer. And uh, uh, was that always something you were interested in? I've always had dogs growing up and been around dogs. I always thought it to be a really uh, great career path and a goal of mine, but... um, you know, working at the Brockport Police Department, this was a great opportunity for me from the get-go, and uh, I always really enjoyed it, but uh, we didn't have a canine unit at the time of uh, me being hired at this department. Right. Um, so I wasn't sure if that was something that was ever going to come to our department, but um, when it did, I was really, really fortunate and blessed to uh, be chosen for this uh, position uh, because it is our first uh, police canine that we've had. It's the start of our program, so... Um, you know, a lot of a learning curve, you know, so to speak, but uh, it's, it's really been a great experience for me, and I'm really thankful to have it still. And talk to me just a little bit about the process of you becoming the first uh, canine officer. What kind of process did you have to go through to, uh, to be chosen uh, the first in the department? Um, I had to apply. Um, you know, just like any other position uh, that you would be, uh, anybody would be going for in the department. Uh, but there are certain requirements as far as like uh, being able to house the dog and 
Uh, the department wanted to know about any other animals and things like that. So they took all that into consideration. But um, after the application process, they did an interview process, and then they did uh, end up selecting me for the position. And then talk to me a little bit about Brock and when you do they do uh do they match you up do they match you up how do how does that whole process work it was a really interesting process uh right from the start and i had never been involved with anything like this before uh we purchased brock through shallow creek canines which is in pennsylvania um we drove down there to this uh establishment and uh what this place does is they import dogs from overseas uh and then each department and agency is able to go and view dogs. So they'll bring uh, each canine out one at a time. You can see the dog, you can watch the dog uh, do certain tasks. Uh, in this case, uh, we did see several dogs on the day that we went down. Um, Brock in particular um, was not trained. Uh, he didn't have a name at the time that he responded to. He was not trained with the basic commands like sit, stay, um, anything like that. He didn't have any uh, background in narcotics work or uh, tracking anything like that that he's trained in now. So he was basically a blank slate. So we had a new canine and a green or new canine handler being me. And we ended up choosing Brock as uh, the dog that we were going to come home with and uh, begin our canine program with. Now, does there, is there a is there a bonding process between you and Brock that has to happen first before any training goes on, or how, how does that work? I was with Brock for several days before we started the police uh, canine academy with the Rochester Police Department. And basically, for those few days before the academy started, I was instructed just to take Brock for walks, feed Brock, brush Brock, and that was our, our basic start to our bonding experience. Um, as you can imagine, we spend a whole lot of time together, uh, day in and day out. He's with me more than anybody else in my entire life, um, including at home and at work. So as the days go on and, and, and continue, it's just uh, an unexplainable bond. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm also interested to know what, what is the training process like? Um, and how often, how often does Brock have to do training I'm, I'm assuming that it's an ongoing process, but can you take us behind the curtain on that a little bit and uh, shed some light into that? Yeah, so starting with the Canine Academy, um, it was 20 weeks long, so a lot of material was covered in that time. And um, to include, that would be basic obedience, okay? and then we, we would go into uh, what we call scent work. So each dog has a specialty, maybe one, maybe multiple. In Brock's case, he has two specialties. His specialties are uh, illegal narcotics and also in what we call patrol tracking. Um, so throughout those 20, that 20 week duration, um, we worked on obedience. We worked on uh, your basic sit and stay. We uh, ran Brock through an obstacle course. Um, we taught Brock how to track and um, also to do building searches and what we call area searches for persons. Um, but as you can imagine, with a dog that is was a year old, uh, roughly at that time of the start of the academy, and uh, not having the knowledge to perform the job at that time, and also for me being a brand new handler, it was a lot to take in and learn. 
Um, after we completed the academy, uh, New York State requires us to, to train a minimum of two days per month. So I, we continue to train at the Rochester Police Department uh, for the most part, just to keep up on our minimum standards. Uh, but quite honestly, the training is every day. Um, you know, we're doing something in some way, shape, or form to stay sharp, and and you know, it's also fun for Doc. You know, just all these tasks that, um, although it's stressful, just like it is for the rest of our officers at our department, the stressful type of work for the dog, um, we try to make it as fun for him as possible, so that when he finds what uh, we need him to find, I want him to know that, so that whatever that is in his case he gets his ball for the most part uh he really he really loves playing with his ball so that's how he knows he did a good job so that's sort of his reward at the end of the at the end of it is is the ball and that's how he knows he's done a good job that is that yeah is. uh how old is brock now this is it right here that's his that. ball okay <laughs> uh brock's six years old so i saw an interview you did with Channel 13, I believe when Brock was uh, uh, just, a, maybe he was two years old, I think you were on with Channel 13. So is there, because we all know dogs when they're they're puppies, and but these are very highly skilled trained dogs. Is, does that, obviously they start them out at a young age for a reason, but right. with, with being a puppy, does there have to be some reinforcement I mean, I know there's training, but and there's always training, but do you have to sometimes, you know, does he always know he's working, I guess is my question? Most of what we do um, together is really context-based. So believe it or not, when I start to get ready for work at home, Brock knows that we're going to work. And, you know, he, he'll go and wait by the door and, uh, you know, we do the same thing every day. I'll put his collar on and, and he goes into the car. So... Um, as far as that's concerned, you know, he really, he really knows, you know, when, when to turn it on and turn it off, so to speak. When he's home, um, I really, you know, like to have Brock just kind of relax and, you know, run around the yard and not do any work-related tasks just so he can decompress um, and such. But, you know, the same thing with, uh, you know, looking for somebody, if we're going to track a missing person or uh, a suspect or anything like that, we do the same thing every time. Uh, that way he knows what to do and what he's looking for. So most of that to answer your question is context-based. Okay. And how does that work when you're when you're trying to track someone? Uh, so do you, I mean, I've seen it on TV, but, you know, you know TV's TV, right? So yeah. how does it really work? Do you have a piece of clothing from the person you're looking for? How does he know what scent he's actually looking for? There are a lot of different uh, schools of thought, a lot of different ways to train, and um, a lot of different ways agencies like to train. In our particular um, scenario or instance with Brock, uh, we do not need a piece of clothes, uh, clothing or anything like that, an article or anything like that. What we are looking for um, as a team is a last known location. So that is our ideal situation. If, um, if we have a witness that saw, you know, maybe a missing uh, elderly person uh, leave their home and they had eyes on that person maybe at the sidewalk right in front of the house, that's where we would start our track in that, in that scenario. Um, that's the best case scenario is that if somebody knows where this person was last seen, we could start from there. If not, then it, it could be 
a little more of a challenge trying to find that uh, that last known location, but that in general is how that all begins. And same thing with the, because you said he does narcotics as well. So uh, do they, when you're doing the training, do they, is it, is part of the training putting those narcotics in front of him and then he knows the smell? It is. So um, it was a really interesting, uh, interesting thing to see during the Canine Academy, but really how this would, uh, how this would start is we would assimilate this narcotics uh finding the illegal narcotics we would make this all a game so even throughout the whole training we wanted it to be fun for brock so he would have something to work for um and what what would end up being done is we would um place illegal narcotics um that are prescribed from the dea um for uh scent purposes into a pvc pipe and the pvc pipe had holes in the pipe with a cap on both ends uh, so that the contents couldn't fall out and they were secured. And then really we would just play fetch with the pipes, um, you know, for a while, just so he can take in the scent while that pipe is in his mouth. And obviously he didn't have any, uh, there was no risk of him, um, you know, being, uh, taking in any of the harmful products of the narcotics. Right. Um, but we would start that way. We would play fetch with the pipes and he would be taking in uh, that scent through his mouth, through his nose, and that's how he would begin to assimilate that scent. And then eventually we would start with start by hiding the pipe and making him search for it. So it's a really gradual process. It's a lot of repetitions with any of the any of the training that we go through. And it's really just practice after practice after practice. Now you said he's trained he's he specializes in two areas. Uh, are there other areas that that you that Brock could be trained in? Um, our focus with Brock, he's our first police canine that we had. So we uh, most commonly, I believe, that you see a dual purpose canine um, okay. or a single purpose canine, uh, which would mean, like I like I mentioned before, Brock's purpose is uh, narcotics and patrol tracking. Um, right. You could see another in other agencies. The dog may just be narcotics or just be nitrate which would uh, nitrate is classified bombs and um guns just for an example okay but in brock's instance he's just a dual he's a dual purpose canine um and rather than muddy the waters with uh other things you know and uh keeping things simple that was our goal with brock right now uh, we know you know as dogs get older uh, they might slow down a little bit. So is there an average age for a, a police canine dog? And how long do we keep them in service? I can't speak to a number on that. Um, however, as long as Brock is able to do his job, he's healthy and um, he's fit and he's able to do what he needs to do, uh, Brock will continue to work um, alongside me. Um, but when Brock's a larger size dog, he's a larger trained dog, so uh, typically, you know, they don't last as long as some of the smaller dogs, but, um, you know, we, I do my very best to keep Brock in shape and we exercise every day and he eats well. So, uh, we're hoping for several more good years with Brock, uh, before he gets to kick his feet up and lay on the couch and live the retired life. So, yeah, we don't want him to do that just yet. Not right yet. I'm not ready for him to do that yet either. So. And, and that, that talk to me just a little bit. You mentioned it a little bit earlier, but there's got to be such a bond between you and Brock because you, 
you do work with him day in and day out, and then you go home with him. So uh, does does Brock? I'm sure Brock can feel from you. Maybe when you're not having the greatest day, I mean, he's a constant companion for you as well as a working partner. Yeah, he really is. Like I mentioned, I, I don't spend time with anybody more than I do with him. And it's just the nature of the job. But you know, I'm lucky enough to be able to take him home with me and he's with me every single day at work. So, you know, he's really like my shadow. Um, even when I'm at, at home, he's always following me around, looking at where I am. If I ever do have to leave the house and, uh, you know, run to the store or whatever, and he's not with me, he's, he's waiting at the door until I come home. So... I've never experienced anything like that before. Like I mentioned, I've had, I've grown up around dogs and had other dogs. Um, they've mainly been Labrador Retrievers. Um, I currently have a Labrador Retriever at home as well for my pet, but uh, it's just a, a totally different experience uh, with, with the bond that we have, you know, like just, just based on the amount of time that we spend together. And then talk to me, Josh, uh, about how, how I imagine that that uh, Brock is a, a big asset for you out in the community, just with, with, with everyday citizens as well, because Brock is probably a, a, a way for you to communicate with, uh, with the citizens on a different level. Brock is a huge asset to not only the village of Brockport, but surrounding agencies. Um, you know, speaking for the work itself, um, we've been outside of not only I've worked quite a bit in the village uh, with canine related work, um, but I've traveled um, sometimes as far as Henrietta to help assisting agencies when other dogs aren't available. So um, speaking from that standpoint, it is an invaluable tool. Um, Brock is an invaluable tool just, just from the mere standpoint of um, not having maybe have to wait that extra few minutes uh, for a canine to come. They may, another dog may be tied up or on another job or maybe on the opposite side of the county. So just to have that resource right at our fingertips uh, is really, is really invaluable. Um, but the part two of that is the community service aspect and the community relations aspect. And we really have, have gained a lot of support, I feel like, and, you know, just about everybody likes animals and dogs and, uh, you can just see the smiles on people's faces when we uh, go to the school, we try to drop over to the middle school, and we've been to the elementary schools and high school before, too, um, just walking through those buildings. And um, luckily, Brock has a really good temperament, and uh, we can allow him to, you know, receive attention from other students and be pet and, you know, things like that. So uh, that's been really great. And just walking him throughout the village, too, and, it's a talking piece. It really is. You know, everybody wants to talk about the dog. And usually, uh, more times than not, uh, the question that I'm asked on a daily basis is, how's the dog? So I seem to have taken a back seat since Brock's come along, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> but uh, it really is a great as asset for us. Um, Brock's awesome. He's a great dog. And uh, you know, I'm very, really lucky to have him. It's interesting because one of the things I thought about uh, is – because I'm in a wheelchair, I have a disability, and I had a service dog growing up as a, as a child. And one of the things that uh, when the dog was working, nobody else could. You didn't want anybody else to pet the dog. So that was going to be one of my questions for you, because, but it seems like you're saying that you do take Brock out into the community and let the community interact with him. And as long as you're not looking for someone or 
something, it's okay that the community interacts with Brock uh, yeah, on, a, on a everyday basis. Yeah, every dog is different too. They all each dog has their own personalities. I'm sure as you know, um, just right. like us. And um, I, I would just say the best thing to do is to ask first. You know, um, like I said, Brock has a really good temperament um, in that area. So we were able to do those things and get out in the community and allow the community to interact with Brock. Um, but the best thing to do is just be to ask this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, talk, can you give us one example? I'm just, and if, if you can, I don't know if you can, but can you give us an example of, can you tell us a story of a time that Brock really helped you in a search or uh, uh, give us a practical application of what Brock does. I will say that um, as far as our relationship together and our, our working career, to me, the most rewarding uh, portion of this uh, canine aspect is a successful track. Um, some dogs pick up things easier than others. Um, I always had to put in extra time and work to figure out this tracking thing, especially when we first began because um, there's a lot of stuff to look for as far as reading the dog and, um, you know, the dog telling you that he's using his nose and going after somebody to, to find them. Um, so that was always a challenge, a little bit more of a challenge uh, than other areas for us and for me. Um, so to have that work out, and uh, we've had many successful tracks uh, throughout the years, but that's really the most rewarding part for me is that when we're able to find that missing person um, and get them back to their families um, by way of canine and by way of Brock. That's just the best feeling. Right. Do you all, I'm just interested to know, do you also find that if you're searching for uh, a suspect or something like that, do you see, do you often find that maybe they might not run once they see Brock? Yeah, I mean, most of the time, you know, Brock's a bigger frame dog and, uh, you know, if, if anybody walks by our car uh, when we're working, you'll know that Brock has a very loud bark. He likes to let you know that he's there. Um, but more times than not, yeah, he, he can be a visual deterrent more than anything. Yeah. Yeah, I, so when I saw him on uh, the Channel 13 little piece you did there, I said, oh, that's not somebody. That's not a dog I think I'd want to mess with, Brock. He looks very sweet, but I think when he's down to business, it's business. Uh Talk to me a little bit about, so Brock's with you all day long. So does that mean he's in the patrol car with you? And like, how does that work? So Brock does have the entire backseat of our car. So we have, Brock and I have one car that we drive every day. So unlike um, other car assignments where you might be sharing vehicles with other patrol officers, uh, the car that we have is just personally outfitted for us. And what that entails is, the entire back seat is for Brock. So instead of there being uh, like the hard plastic seats that you would uh, use for transporting porting people, um, Brock has a flat area back there that's comfortable for him to lay down and where he's not going to get hurt or injured or anything like that. So it's a safe environment for him. And there's also uh, a built-in fan in one of the windows in case uh, for whatever reason there's a problem with the air conditioning unit and it got too hot back there. There's built-in safety features uh, to make sure that Brock is safe and comfortable back there as well. Um, another example would be uh, over the back two windows, there's a grate, so any passerbys can't slip their fingers through or anything like that for obvious reasons. Um, 
but our car and our our day uh is basically you know brock in the back seat always with me so if i'm at work brock is with me as well but i like to get brock uh, out of the car as much as possible even if it's just to stretch his legs or throw the ball for a little bit i like to get him in and out because uh just like us driving around uh for a while uh, we try to get out and, and you know not only interact with people but stretch our legs and make sure that we're getting in and out so we're not pulling any muscles if we have to chase after anybody same thing goes for Doc. um but yeah not uh don't let me fool you though he does have it made back there in the back seat he listens to music all day long and uh he gets some fresh air so he's got it made maybe a little who let the dogs out huh for yeah. brock <laughs> he's, he's not partial to any kind of music he likes he likes whatever he likes whatever well that's good to know and i'm sure you you're being a brock board you, you probably made a few stops over at my good friend jimmy z's i'm of sure course. brock brock likes to take a stop over at z's there yeah, uh, what kind of what kind of um like does he go does he go to the vet a lot do, do you take him to the vet more uh with what he does how does that work um so this is a really good opportunity for me to mention um with the start of our program just real briefly and how we were able to begin this program with the Black Horse Police Department. Yeah, please. Really, really uh, largely in part for the help from our community, um, but also Wegmans um, and Milkbone. Uh, we're able to pay for the dog, pay for Brock. And then Dr. Carolyn Orr at the Brockport Vet uh, Clinic on East Avenue in the village of Brockport have been a very influential part in the success, uh, not only the inception, but the success of our program uh, throughout its running. Um, Dr. Orr uh, has been very gracious enough to take care of all medical bills, um, food, and she really, really was a huge cog in the wheel of making sure that this program got up and running and continues. So um, I wouldn't say that we go to the vet um, very much more than I guess your average pet. Um, but we make sure that Brock is obviously up to get our shots and if there's any issues that come up, um, the vet clinic on U7, the animal clinic on U7 is really good about getting us in and seeing us. Um, and they've just been a, a huge part of this program. Is there, uh, is, you just talked about it and uh, the cost of, of something like this. Approximately, what does it cost for because I, I imagine there's so much training that goes into this, and you said you, you the you had some help, and the police department had some help from Wegmans. But what is the what is the average cost of a a canine uh, a police dog like this? More than I would be willing to pay for a, for an average pet. Um, right. <laughs> but um, it varies. Uh, it varies by uh, where the dogs are purchased, I'm sure, and uh, also what the background on the dog is. If, an agency wants to buy a dog that's already trained um that may mean more money um but again with wegmans and no phone and the animal clinic that we have and dr or they really wrap this up in a bow to make it really impossible for us to turn down uh you know with with just a few uh things that we had to get covered as far as upfitting our vehicle to make sure that we had a, a car that could take a canine and things like that this is really like a no turn down situation and do you know how many police canines uh, uh are there in the area because i know you said 
you know, you'll go to other areas when yeah. a dog may not be available. Yeah. Um, so the city of Rochester has several dogs. Um, the North County Sheriff's Office has several dogs. Squeeze Police has a canine. Um, SUNY Brockport has a canine. There are a lot of, uh, there are several canines, uh, state police as well, several canines in the area and several agencies with canines. However, they won't all be working at the same time. So they're working different shifts just like we are. And, you know, with whether that be uh, a dog be tied up on another job, um, already working in another area, uh, not able to come out to that incident or just playing on days off, um, you know, we're able to assist other agencies if there is a need. Right. And with the dog, is there, is there, uh, uh, I don't know if there's guidelines set up for how often the dog, like how many, like how often the dog should be working, how many hours, how does that work? Well, we, uh, Brock and I just try to stay as busy as possible. So if we're, if we're not working, uh, we're training, we're practicing, we're doing things to make sure we stay sharp. Um, but there's no solid, uh, number as far as, uh, like a goal that we need to hit every month for jobs that we have to have. Um, that being said, you know, we'll, we will travel uh, wherever we need to to make sure that we're getting work and uh, using the resource that we have and providing our assistance. Um, so we just like to make sure that we're staying as involved as possible. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Brock came about his name because uh, uh, you said he didn't have a name, right, when you first uh, – f- um, got him so tell us how brock got his name so brock's name uh was actually brett but brock didn't know his name was brett when we picked him up so we were able to change his name without any imprinting issues or anything like that um but the Brockport police department uh at the start of our canine unit and before we really got going uh in our police canine academy opened up a contest for the village to name our first police canine uh, so we got a lot of entries that came in, a lot of different uh, individuals and organizations uh, organizations submitted entries uh, to see if they can uh, name the first police dog in Brockport. And uh, if you can imagine, we got a lot of good ones and we got a lot of interesting uh, submissions. Uh, but the, uh, the overall total, uh, the highest number was Brock. And uh, we, really, we really do like that name. I, I personally like that name, Brock from Brockport. Um, that worked out really well. So it was just kind of a fun way, another way for community engagement, especially with our first police have. Sure. And one, uh, let me just ask you this, officer. What is one thing that you maybe didn't know going into this whole process that you, you know, because you said you've always had dogs, but what's one thing you learned that maybe you didn't think you were, what's what, I guess, what's one thing you were surprised at throughout this whole process? I would say I really didn't know what to expect specifically um, before I started the Police Canine Academy and, and have been a handler for several years now, but I'd say probably just the amount of work that was involved. I mean, it really is an everyday commitment, um, even at home, making sure that, you know, Brock is doing well and he's, uh, he's taken care of and he's safe and even at work, you know, he's doing his job to the best of his ability as well so that's what i would say um but i just feel like i've learned a lot about not only brock but just how dogs behave and being able to see and work other dogs um, you know it's just it's really interesting stuff to me so yeah now you were saying that you do training once a month i believe 
twice a month at a minimum is what the state requires. So we do that um, with the city of Rochester normally. Okay. And is that just to sharpen the skills or to keep them, keep them uh, at the same level? Uh, it's both. So a lot of the times we're, we're uh, in training, we're running through tracks, we're having people lay tracks and uh, do things like that. We'll do building searches. We're practicing uh, the areas of narcotics. All of Brock's specialties, we want to make sure that we're uh, getting repetitions in, uh, practicing, practicing, showing the dogs and handlers different scenarios uh, because you said it yourself earlier on in this conversation, you know, not every day is the same, so we never know what we're going to encounter. We want to make sure that we're as prepared as possible. Um, but outside of the two days a month that the state requires, you know, we're, we're constantly training, we're constantly doing things um, at work. If we have downtime, I may just have one of the guys go run a track for me and drop a ball at the end of the track just so we can get those repetitions in and just take a few extra minutes uh, just to stay sharp. Are you always, so when Brock, is that when you're out on uh, searching for someone or searching for narcotic, are you always, uh, is he always on leash with you or does he have, are you with him, but does he have free reign to roam and try to find what he's looking for? For the most part, Brock is on a leaf, leash or leaf. Um, it's just really based on the scenario. That's why also um, that we need these dogs to be so very obedient um, as a police dog is because if there is a scenario uh, where we need Brock or our canine to go off leaf, uh, as we would say, we need to make sure that they're going to pay attention and lis listen to us uh, to make sure that not only our dogs, but our other officers and citizens are safe. Right. Have you, uh, now that you've been doing this for as long as you've been doing it and you've been with Brock, do you go out and, and help train other people? Um, I just recently received what's called a maintenance trainer uh, certification last year. I'm trying to make my way up, uh, just interested in the whole training aspect. I am not, uh, at this point in time in my career, training other dogs. Um, I try to do what I can when I go out to training days or if anybody has questions, at least um, relaying the knowledge that I've uh, gained so far. But I feel like, you know, anybody in, in any area, um, if there's any way to benefit somebody else from something that you've learned, I feel like that's important. Um, so I have an interest in that. Hopefully someday uh, I'll be able to, to train dogs and train other handlers, but uh, we'll see. And is there any any... I know the cost is is outrageous, but is there any thought of uh, bringing more canines into the Brockport uh, department? My goal is to make sure this program is as successful as possible. So, um, you know, being our first police dog, uh, no pressure on my end, but uh, I'm trying right. to do what I can to make sure that this program is successful and it really is a beneficial asset to our department. Um, you know, ideally, we would have another dog after Brock, um, after Brock's retired. Uh, there's no way to really tell for sure, but uh, me personally, I'd really like to see the canine program continue. Right. Yeah, it's it's amazing. They are dog, dogs are man's best friend, but they are also, and they're so obedient and so, so loving. But they're, another question I have for you. Is I know that Brock's a German Shepherd, I believe, right? Yes. Are are most canine uh, uh, animals uh, German Shepherds, or do they 
scan a wide a wide uh, variety of breeds. We'll see a mix. We'll see a mix of breeds. Um, you know, there might have been a time where the German Shepherd was the most common breed that you would see in police agencies. Um, you know, they have great noses, they're very obedient. Um, but you may also see uh, the Belgian Malinois, which is another popular um, breed of dog used for police agencies. Um, Bloodhound is another breed. Labrador Retriever. All of these, all of these breeds are, are breeds that I would say commonly see uh, doing law enforcement work. Yeah, it's because uh, I was familiar with the German Shepherds of that, but it's interesting to see that they're now they're we're seeing other breeds uh, coming into service as well, which is is very cool. Uh, what? Tell me a little bit about Brock when he's not working. What are some of his what of some of his favorite activities? Uh, to do other than just be around you all the time. Yeah, Brock loves to. Uh, he loves to run around with my other dog. And once more, I have a chocolate lab. He's seven, and uh, they're like two peas in a pod. So they run all over the place when they're home, and they get uh, plenty of exercise doing that. Uh, they both like to swim in my pond that I have in my property, so um, that could be fun for me as far as cleanup goes, especially <laughs> this, especially this time of year when everything's so muddy. Sure. But, uh, I mean, he really just loves uh, playing fetch. He'll do it all day long if I if I had the time to do it, um, and just hanging out with my other dog and being outside. Quite honestly. Now, what was that like for you? You touched on a little bit earlier, but what was that like for you uh, introducing Brock to your your other dog? Was there was that a process as well? It, it was um, when I first got Brock. I had my chocolate lab. Um, we elected to uh, have stay at a family member's house. So he was out of the home uh, for the first several days. Um, okay. And the purpose of that is we wanted to make sure that uh, Brock got assimilated to our house and uh, acclimated rather uh, to the house and was familiar with that and didn't have any uh, sort of conflict with another dog being there and coming into the home. Um, but it was really just a slow process. Now, eventually when we got to the point where we were going to introduce uh, both dogs just did it at a park and walked both dogs far away from each other and then really just slowly started to close the gap on that and um, just make it a positive experience and luckily there was no issues uh, with the dogs meeting each other and like I said earlier, we're best of friends. So it doesn't well, always happen it, that way, but luckily it did. Well, luckily for you it did because it, it uh, I feel like, does Brock get to wear uh, does he get to wear a badge and all that? Does he have a does he have a badge and a badge number? He does. So he doesn't have a badge number, but Brock has a badge just like mine. Uh, other side here, I'm I'm mixed up on the camera. That's all uh, right. Brock's badge, Brock's badge is just like mine. It looks just like mine, and it has his name on the badge. It says Canine Brock, um, Brockport Police, just like our badge. Um, he wears that around his neck. It has a a solid backer on the back, so it's a little more sturdy than this. But it appears just like this, and that's on a uh, a collar and then when he comes to work i put what's called a flat collar on him and that's just basically a, a inch wide collar that has uh some identifying panels on there that says police and uh that way yeah that's another tool for me to hold on to and control block but also to identify him as well um on a day-to-day -day basis that's all brock wears if brock was ever to go into um a very dangerous condition where I believe it would be um, necessary for him to wear a vest. 
Uh, we do have a uh, bulletproof and stabproof vest for Brock to wear, um, but he just doesn't wear it all day, every day at work just because of how uh, hot he would get and cumbersome it could be for him. Right, but there are certain situations where that would be that would be needed. There could be, yes. I I imagine for you, uh, because you're so a, attached to Brock and you have such a working relationship, that some of these situations you might be going into, you're also looking out for your own safety, but you also, just like any other partner, you're looking out for your dog's safety as well. So just talk a little bit about that. Like, is that, add, does that add, obviously adds more pressure, but just talk a little bit about that and what, what that's like. Um, it does. It, it does add more stress and, it, and there's a lot more to think about uh, with the dog. Um, you know, with Brock, we're, we're, sometimes we may be going into situations where we're assisting our agency or other agencies with, uh, you know, a dangerous condition or we're looking for somebody that's committed a serious crime. And, um, you know, obviously those things are going through uh, any handler's head, I'm sure, uh, when you're going into these situations. So you want to make sure that um, not only yourself, your other officers, your, your colleagues are safe and citizens with the dog as well. You know, Brock is another officer just like, uh, the rest of the men and women that I work with and communities, right. you know, close fam family at that point. Um, so I want to make sure that he's not going to get hurt to the best uh, of my ability. But it is a, an inherently stressful and dangerous job um, that all law enforcement do. And uh, and we can we can run into scenarios like this. So um, every effort that uh, I can take to make sure that he's safe, uh, I, will, I will do that. Well, officer... Thank you for joining the podcast. I do appreciate this. Thank you for all that you do and all that Brock does. Uh, uh, my hat's off to you, my friend, and uh, stay safe out there. And, uh, you know, stop by Jimmy Z's and get Brock an ice cream, would you? <laughs> Will do. I really appreciate you having me on the podcast. It was a pleasure talking with you. Is Brock, is Brock allowed to have ice cream? That's the question. Brock? And Brock is on a strict uh, dog food diet until he retires, at which point he can eat whatever he wants. I, I'm, All right, I'm so we have to wait nice till he retires. Yeah. We have to wait till he retires. Poor Brock. <laughs> Poor Brock. But he's got to stay in shape. He's got to be right. able to chase down the, the bad guys and, and right. find the good guys that are missing. That's and, right. uh, officer, thank you so much for everything you do. And thank you for taking the time to sit down with me and and I think it's important for the community. I'm just going to say this uh, because I think it's important. You know, we see a lot of bad things that are going on in our communities. and uh, But this is something that, that is really helping our community and is beneficial for our community. And these are the things we need to celebrate. And uh, we celebrate you and Brock. And uh, I hope I get to meet you in person someday, uh, sir. And thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another edition of Wednesdays with Wheels. I hope you enjoyed it, uh, talking about man's best friend. And, uh, you know, look, at there's a lot of training going on, and I have a hard time getting my dog just to sit. So this is amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. We'll be back next week with another great podcast. We'll talk to you real soon. Bye-bye.